We all carry in the soil of our heart rocks, burdens, and they have names, Um, some trauma that we've gone through, uh, some pain that we've carried for a long time. And winter is a time when we can let these rocks emerge. We can let God pick rock in our life. And we don't do that just once. We don't let him remove the burdens and take them away from us just once. This is repeated and it's seasonal. And we need to let God take these burdens. And that is the benefit of winter that I've learned by staring out my window and watching what happens with seasons. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly. And this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, a nonprofit director, a community leader, or just, you know, an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only with their life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you, yes, you listening can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Jennifer Dukes Lee. Jennifer lives on the fifth generation Lee family farm in Iowa, where she and her husband are raising crops, pigs, and two beautiful humans. She writes books. She loves queso, my kind of girl, and enjoys singing too loudly to songs with great harmony. Once upon a time, she didn't believe in Jesus, and now he is her CEO. She just released her latest book, Growing Slow, Lessons on Unhurrying Your Heart from an Accidental Farm Girl. And let me just say, from one accidental farm girl to another, this was such a fun conversation. And I realize I'm a very recent accidental farm girl, and it wasn't really super on accident, but you get my point. This was such a good conversation. There were so many times where I just wanted to like stop and give her a standing ovation. And I just felt like she was preaching to me. And I just, it was the encouragement that I needed. And I know that she is going to just leave such a massive impact on so many of you. You are going to absolutely love this episode. But before I get to my conversation with Jennifer, I want to just take a quick moment to thank our partner of the show that helps make the show happen. And that's Mama Suds. Now we are in the midst of spring. And so I bet a lot of y'all are spring cleaning your home. So let's get that home sparkling clean the safe way with Mama Suds. Castile soap is actually the superhero of soaps. It really does it all from the windows to the walls. I really can't help but sing that every time I I see that line. Uh, But truly, it's the only soap that you need. So what can you do with Mama Suds Castile soap? Well, you can clean the floors, scrub the counters, bathtubs, tiles, clean the baseboards, the windows, the blinds. You can even clean the carpets. You can make foaming hand soap. It is truly a jack of all trades kind of thing. So grab yourself a gallon of Mama Suds Castile soap and start tackling all of your spring cleaning to-dos at mamasuds.com and use the coupon code MOLLY for 15% off your order. All right, now on to my conversation with Jennifer Dukes-Lee. Jennifer, it has been uh, a while. I love all the people that I interview, but it has been a while that I've been this excited to have somebody on my show because as I was saying before we started recording, I really feel like we might be like soul sisters. Is that a thing we can say? Or like, I think so. like best friends? <laughs> just like, <laughs> hi, I realize we just met. Also, I, will you be my best friend? Check yes or no. Um, so welcome to the show. 
Yay. I check. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's just all the things, you know, the way, how we live our lives and how we love our queso. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying, uh, yes. So I'm so just honored to have you here. So thank you for being here. Um, and I'm excited to introduce you to, uh, my community. So Jennifer, give us the Jennifer 101. Tell us who you are, what you do and how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. So I am coming to you from a farm on in Northwest Iowa, way up in the corner. And this is a fifth generation family farm. Mm. So my um, Scott, my husband's great, great, great <laughs> grandparents uh, had the, the original farm here. And so I'm a farm wife and I didn't expect to be in this life. And we can talk about that later. Yeah. You know, we just sometimes end up in places we never dreamed we'd be. We also have two kids and uh, Lydia is a freshman at Iowa State University and our daughter uh, Anna is a, is a sophomore in high school. And so we're on this farm growing human beings and also about 700 acres of corn and soybeans and also about a thousand pigs at any given time. In addition to that, I am a book author. I uh, have my fourth book just released yesterday, and I have two Bible studies, and one of those Bible studies re released just yesterday. And I am also an acquisitions editor for a publishing house. So I wear many hats, like probably most of us do. Yeah. And it's good. It's good. Yeah, you uh, amaze me. And um, you also happen to love uh, queso, which I also yes. love queso, which is a very important detail. Another really important detail that I know about you, um, and this is something that I know that we'll kind of get into, in addition to being a farm wife and a queso lover, is you weren't always uh, a follower of the Lord. And now he, I love that you're for, he's the CEO of your life. I also did not grow up uh, a Christian and didn't come to know the Lord until I was in my mid-20s. And so I'm also going to, I'm going to steal that in the name of Jesus. Jesus is now also the CEO of my life. Um, and so there's just, there's so many things we have in common, but you know, one of the things that I, I think is so incredible about you is you do so much and you obviously like, okay, so my husband and I, as my listeners know, just purchased a farm. It is not 700 acres. We don't have like all, or all the million acres of uh, corn, soybeans, and we don't have nearly a thousand pigs. We don't even have one pig yet, although that is something we would like to do. Ours is more of just a hobby farm and a homestead. But I just know that on our 12 and a half acres, I'm like, this is a lot of work. <laughs> People, mm -hmm. I mean, like, I just, I mean, I, and we knew, we knew that going into them. Don't hear this as a complaint, but it is like, wow, this is, this is a lot of work. This is going to be a lot of work. I'm excited about it. We are looking forward to it. But it also gives me this like additional renewed appreciation for like legit <laughs> farmers with <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of animals and acres and all of the things. And so I know how much time our 12 and a half acre small hobby farm takes. Um, and so here you are as a farm wife, um, an author, an acquisitions editor, a mother, you have so much going on. And yet the message of your book, Growing Slow, Lessons on Unhurrying Your Heart from an Accidental Farm Girl, seems so uh, counter to what could be your life. And so um, I want to dive right into that is um, where did this book come from? And talk to us about what you your prayer for this book and kind of how it came about. Yeah, so honestly, Molly, the book that I probably could have written a lot more um, easily would be a book called Growing Fast. Mm because that's my personality. Yeah. I'm an Enneagram three, um, an overachiever. Like if, 
if you want something done, just ask Jennifer to do it. I'm, I'm that kind of a person. Yeah. Um, I often have felt like I have to be the most responsible person in the room. And I just, it's like, I start the day and I go. And that it's always been that way. Yeah. And I honestly thought that that would end when we came to the farm. Mm. And I have this picture, it's from 2005. It's just a couple of years after we um, came back here. And I was still having my job as a, as a news reporter for the Des Moines Register, which was a very fast paced job. Yeah. And um, I decided to quit and we were just going to go full in to the farm. No more uh, chasing news stories and no more chasing ambulances, no more showing up at a tornado or a bank robbery or whatever was happening in the world. And I just quit. And my colleagues and friends were like, Jennifer, you're crazy. You're throwing your potential away. Um, You have so much. You're just right on the cusp of great success. Why are you doing this? And um, a photographer that was my colleague came out and took our picture at the edge of the field. And it's Scott and I at the edge of the field. And we're both holding a child on our hips (laughs) because they were just so little back then. And um, I look at that picture now and I'm like, that was day one. Hmm. That was day one of growing slow. But I remember looking in my colleague's eyes as he was looking at me through the camera, you know, I'm like, what if they're right? What if I'm throwing this all away? And then over the years and literally over the next 12 years, I began to ask myself a a different question. What if they were wrong? Mm. And what if this is the right place? But it was a tug and a pull because you can live out in a place that looks super peaceful where rush hour is like the neighbor's cattle Mm. that just traffic jammed (laughs) the the road. I mean, it's, that's literal. That's what happens, but you can just keep hurrying and hustling. And a few years ago, I ended up at a doctor's office and I had all these physical problems, headaches and gut aches and just restlessness and body aches. And I mean, I thought my body was literally falling apart and they did every test imaginable. And he sat me down and he's like, Jennifer, there is nothing like really wrong with you that we can see, but what is wrong is you're really stressed out and you have um, hurry sickness. You have a hurried heart. Mm. I'm like, I'm not stressed out. I know stressed out people. I'm not one of them. But the thing is, since for all of my life, I've lived with uh, when my feet hit the floor, um, the adrenaline spikes up, the cortisol spikes up, and I'm constantly in fight or flight mode all day long like an adrenaline junkie. And I didn't know any other way, just like people who have aches and pains. And that's just the way it is. They don't know anything different. Well, now I know a different way. And I have adopted a whole new way of living. And I know it sounds like it's my life is crazy and busy. And it is, it is those things. It is busy, but this isn't something that you look at your calendar and say, Oh, she's got a lot going on. It's something that happens inside the heart. And the cure is an inside job. It's, you can still be busy and do all kinds of great things in your business, in your career, in your home, on your farm, whatever it is, um, and still go about it with a peacefulness in your heart and still go about it with boundaries and still go about it with knowing it's time to close the computer and still go about it with feeling at peace with yourself at the end of the day and not having to start fight or flight moments when your beat hit the floor in the morning. So my prayer, you asked what my prayer is. My prayer is that um, people who would open up these pages would give themselves permission to slow down, that they would begin to validate the things that they are growing in their lives little by little, Mm. instead of rushing headlong toward what they think success looks like. 
And I can talk a lot about that because I think that people in business and people, the successful people that are listening to your podcast on a regular basis feel the pressure to grow quickly yeah. in their platforms, in their, in their financial planning, in what their house, you know, like how many square footage they should have by a certain point in their life. And so my hope is that they would just feel the permission to slow down and take things one step at a time. You know, that message is is a message that, I mean, we could go and, I mean, this could be a whole nother podcast discussion is just the message that this very kind of vague cultural uh, practice of growing fast is just what sells these days. And um, there's podcasts and books and, you know, Instagram influencers and self-help coach gurus who are all about like, here's how to make 40 grand in one month. And it's just like, no, that is not like, but people are like, oh, well, yeah, I want a piece of that. And so then they, they buy into it and it, it sells quickly. Um, whereas like, oh, let's look at humanity over the course of the past, I don't know, however many thousands of years we want to go back and look at like what actually is lasting? What actually builds a foundation um, for your life? Is it an overnight success? Hard no. Like it's not. It is not this fast paced hustle culture. You know, I think about like our grandparents, great grandparents. I mean, you're talking about this fifth generation. Like I, what I would give to travel back in time and just sit and watch the fifth generation grandparents that ran that family farm back in the, I guess, what, early 1800s, what I would give to just sit and watch them. Because mm-hmm. if we tried to explain hustle culture to them, they would just be like, okay, tell a seed to grow faster. <laughs> right. Like, you can buy this like miracle growth. It doesn't actually like really make it speed up the process. Like, that's right. <laughs> It just doesn't. And so to look at our culture over the past thousands of years, and then this this influx of, um, of this hustle culture is just, it's exhausting. And it adds stress to people um, unnecessarily. I'm curious for you, you know, as you started to uncover this and realize that you were stressed out, and you didn't think you were, and you were kind of moving at a fast pace, what lessons from the farm Did you start to realize like, oh, maybe God is actually teaching me something through this? Yeah, that's been one of the greatest gifts of that for me, uh, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally is living on this farm, this place that I thought I would never be. That was the last place on earth that I ever wanted to live (laughs) has been the greatest gift of all. Mm. And a couple of years ago, we had a really rough year of farming it would not stop raining. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't stop raining when we were trying to harvest the crops the year previous. And then comes the spring and we could not get in the field to plant. And we just wake up every morning and look out the window and like, here we go again. Mm -hmm. How are we ever going to plant these fields? And uh, we did a lot of praying in around our family table. We did a lot of praying in our church all over the Midwest. People were praying that we get into the fields. And I had every confidence that we would because these are God's fields and he's in charge. And I just, I just told Scott, I'm like, it's just going to be a growing slow year, yeah. uh, slow into the fields and slow out of them and hard stop. I'm like, whoa, does what I believe to be true for the land 
could I believe that to be true for my life? Mm. And it began a deep dive exploration into studying the land and how seeds grow and just this metaphor, like you said, um, you can't force a seed to come up out of the ground. And so, you know, we plant literally thousands of millions of seeds into these fields in the spring. And it could be many days, even a couple of weeks before we see even a tiny bit of green. And if I was a seed, I'd be freaking out. I'd be like, why have I been put into this dark place? Will anything ever happen? And then we see these tiny little shoots of green, just a hint of green above the earth. And in time, as days turn to weeks, we see the growth. But day by day, it's nearly imperceptible. Mm -hmm. We can't see the growth. And then all of a sudden, everything is green and the rows are touching and comes then comes harvest. And we all love harvest, whether we're harvesting crops or ideas, when we get to hold that fully ripened thing in our hand and say, yes, look, look at this. And that's a beautiful moment. Yeah. And then comes winter. One fourth of a growing season on a farm here in Iowa, it looks like nothing is happening. It looks like everything is dead. And winter seasons can be hard because they feel very unproductive. And somebody out there is like, yeah, winter seasons can be hard because all of us have gone through winter seasons Mm -hmm. of the soul. And who wants that? But there is little doubt that all of us have to go through winter seasons. And so the land has been teaching me that. But here is the coolest thing. When I was writing that book, in fact, the winter chapters were my favorite because Mm -hmm. I learned so much about what is happening in winter. There are all kinds of little animals and microbes and things that we cannot see happening under the surface. It is alive. Just in the same way that we as people have things that are happening inside of us in winter seasons. These are moments when God can grow beautiful things that maybe people can't see externally, but things that are moving inside of us. We have rocks that emerge in fields. I don't know if you have that on your farm or if you'll see that over time, but you'll come out in the spring and because of the frost thaw cycle of the land, rocks will heave up. Yes. And you know it? You yes. Know it? I, you keep going and I'm going to tell you a story. You tell me a rock so, yes, story? Yes. Oh, I love a rock story. Yeah. So my first job as a kid growing up in rural community similar to the one I live in now was picking rock. And it's yeah. funny because there was way more than one rock, but a farmer would come and we'd pick thousands of rocks, throw them onto a flatbed trailer, and we'd have to go out the next year because more rocks had come. And it wasn't because there was some rock fairy dropping rocks onto the ground. It's because they were being unearthed. Mm. And so what that teaches me is that we all carry in the soil of our heart rocks, burdens, and they have names, um, some trauma that we've gone through, uh, some pain that we've carried for a long time. And winter is a time when we can let these rocks emerge. We can let God pick rock in our life. And Mm -hmm. we don't do that just once. We don't let him remove the burdens and take them away from us just once. This is repeated and it's seasonal and we need to let God take these burdens. And that is the benefit of winter that I've learned by staring out my window and watching what happens with seasons. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that for a couple of reasons. One, 
that's a beautiful metaphor that I'm going to use in many, many things. But two, I had my own personal experience with rocks here on this farm. And I remember thinking like, what in the world is going on? So we, we went under contract on this farm in early November of 2020. And we moved in at the end of March. And so obviously, like through the winter, I mean, we we literally came to see it when like the leaves were falling off of the trees. And so we didn't, we haven't seen it in its full lushness and the green and all of that. And so the owners, the previous owners obviously had done kind of the last mow of everything, um, you know, in the last tilling, you know, way before we'd come to see it. And so all winter, everything is dormant. And then the last few weeks, everything started to come up. And uh, so I had my first trip out on the zero turn radius 60 inch riding mower. And uh, I, my husband gave me like a quick lesson on it because I've mowed the lawn a million times on a riding mower with a steering wheel, but never on like the zero turn, you know, like it's like a legit, I mean, this thing is, is. (laughs) this thing is massive. And uh, so I'm kind of getting used to it. And um, like I said, we have 12 and a half acres, probably about eight of it is like pasture grass. I mean, it's it's a ton of grass. Um, so I have a lot of like appreciation for people. I'm like, good gracious, because it took it takes forever to, you know, mow all this yes. lawn. Anyway, the first trip out, I mean, it felt like every five feet I hit a rock and it's so loud. If you've anybody who has ever mowed a lawn with and hit a rock knows how loud it is. And it is kind of terrifying. And you think you're going to break something. And um, I hit so many rocks on that first and the grass was so tall, I couldn't see them. So every time I hit a rock, I'm thinking like the world is ending. And (laughs) so then I'm having to stop, get off, move the rock. Like it was out of control. And I was like, what were the previous owners doing with this land? Like, where is all the, where are all these rocks coming from? I mean, it was so bad to the point that like, one of our mower blades got bent. We ended up having to like buy a jack, like replace the blade, everything. But, and I just remember thinking like, where in the world are these rocks coming from? Like, I know that the previous owners weren't just like throwing rocks around like confetti around all this land. Um, But that makes so much sense that just like over the winter, it's the land just begins to, and we live in North Carolina. So it's very kind of, it's that red clay, rocky soil. And so that makes perfect sense that that's kind of what would be happening. So anyway, I've had my own personal experience with the rocks in the soil. And I will tell you, like once they come up, it's painful to get rid of them. Oh, yeah. You know, we had one out. Uh, we call, we have some land out by the river called The Ranch. Yeah. It's not the most productive land. It's super hilly, but it's my favorite because it's beautiful. Yeah. Scott sends me a picture a year ago about this time because this is about when that starts to happen. Yeah. And um, he's like, you got to see this. And it was a rock. I kid you not, the size of a living room recliner. What? Yes. It's so he saw like maybe two feet of it. And he thought, well, I can kind of, you know, it's just going to be some like flat rock. I'll be able to kind of lift it out. Couldn't get it out. Took a shovel. Couldn't get it out. He and Nick, uh, the guy that works with him and helps with chores, they went to go get the skid loader and it took 45 minutes to get that rock out. I mean, often like they have to be removed because they'll hurt the equipment. Oh yeah, right? they the will. Same way you know it. Yeah, you got to take care of the yeah. rocks. Yeah, whether you do. it's the size of a fist or the size of a living room recliner. And yeah. the same is true of us. Some of us are carrying around like living room sized rocks. Yeah, 
that we are just don't want to have to deal with. And so a lot of us deal, uh, move constantly through mm. plant, grow, harvest, plant, grow, harvest, because we're just going to numb with productivity and push, yeah. push, push. But what happens is if we don't take care of the rocks and the soil of our heart, we're going to hurt the equipment. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're going to hurt ourselves and we're not going to grow in the way that we want to. We're not going to be able to progress in our businesses and our, in our lives if we aren't taking care of business in the winter. And, you know, and I think like a lot of times the rock, the burden that we carry, maybe we've just been pressing it down beneath the surface yes. for a really long time. And it turns into a living room recliner sized rock. <laughs> and exactly right. it's just kind of like, you know what? The rock's actually not going to go away. Like it's going to be there. Like, I don't know if we all have ever seen a rock. Like it's just, it's going to be there. And a lot of things are going to just pile on top of it. And there's going to be pressure and there's going to be uh, heat. And there's going to be all these things that just compound together. And eventually mm -hmm. it grows into this massive thing that then you can't avoid. And then it takes a long time to deal with it. And so, um, you know, I mean, for me, I think about the death of my mom. And, uh, you know, she died when I was a senior in high school. I was angry at God. I didn't deal with it. I never went to therapy. I never uh, talked about it really with anybody. It just became this thing that was like this elephant in the room that I was like, nope, not going to talk about it. And it wasn't until, so she died in 2002. It wasn't until 2018 that when I experienced uh, my pregnancy losses, my, I had two second trimester pregnancy losses uh, in a five-month period. And it wasn't until that, that that's what caused me to go to therapy. <laughs> and it wasn't until mm -hmm. I was in therapy then that I was discussing with my uh, amazing Christian counselor. We were discussing kind of the triggers that was causing my anxiety and all these things that we realized that a lot of my grief and the way I was dealing with the loss of these pregnancies was actually just the grief that I never dealt with with my mom. So here it was, was like, you know, 16, 17 years of, and really longer because she had been sick for so long, 20 years of grief and things that I never dealt with and just was like, it'll be fine. And I just pushed it down, pushed it down, pushed it down until it was, it was a, like a, a tarantula, or a, not tarantula. That's not the word I'm looking for. You know, gargantuan, like it was just this yeah, gargantuan thing. What a tarantula. I don't know. It's fine, guys. Well, tarantulas uh, are scary. Too. They are scary. Tarantulas out of the soil of our hearts. Ooh. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it was just this thing that had just built up and built up and built up until I finally yes. was like, oh, this is what I actually have to deal with. And it was when I began to unearth those things and realize like, here's the root of the problem mm -hmm. that I was able to deal with some of the other things that I had been facing at the moment. And so I think, yeah, I mean, there's so many of us that that deal with that and, and struggle with that. Yeah, that is such a great example. And we even little tiny things like it can be something small, just the, the same way that a pebble in your shoe mm -hmm. can be irritating. Yeah. Think how much better you can walk through life without that pebble. So just even taking time every day to examine the soil of your heart and just coming before God with your hands open and saying, look, I, I, I've got some things here yeah. and I need you to take them so that I can go about the work and the tasks that you have for me yeah. fully the woman or the man that you need me to be. Yeah. Remove these burdens. I give them to you. And then, you know, when we open up our hands and, you know, he can't put anything into closed fists. Yeah. 
So if we open up our hands to him, we can just go through the day and the weeks and the seasons with open-handed living and just knowing that we're not carrying around all this extra weight of the burdens that we carry. Mm-hmm. I actually have a room in the barn. We built a wall, painted it black. I went into town. So hold on that to that image, went into town and I got myself a PO box 327 in Inwood, Iowa. And in the Bible study, I have this paper rock that people can write down their burden on their rock. And they send it to me to P.O. Box 327. I'm taking all of these burdens that people are sending to me. I'm praying over them. I'm staple gunning them to this wall in the barn. And I'm painting over them in white. And I pray over every single one. And I know it seems like a small thing to like write on a paper rock and send it to Mm. um, some farm girl in Iowa that maybe you don't know. But there is power in naming these things. There is power in putting it down on paper and saying, I am done with this. And there's power in knowing that as a community, as a body, that we can lift each other up and take these burdens away and and pray for one another and get rid of them. So my hope is that I can be a part of that in a sort of interactive way for people who go through this. Oh, that is so powerful. I can absolutely picture that, that image. And I can picture, I mean, I I, you know, back before COVID, when we like had things in person, I laid my church's women's ministry. And it's weird to say that, like, we haven't met in a year. <laughs> like, you know, I, we did like an online thing and it just like, this isn't the same. But I remember uh, it was the last women's ministry event that we'd had um, before kind of everything happened. And um, I was uh, kind of teaching on First uh, Samuel and Hannah and the struggle that Hannah was facing and and Hannah's prayer and her uh this prayer that then outlasted her. I mean, we see Mary praying parts of Hannah's prayer when she's pregnant with Jesus and just this powerful powerful image of what it looks like to just cry out to God to praise him for his goodness even in the midst of the most unthinkable circumstances i mean here here hannah is you know she prayed and prayed and prayed for this child that she finally gets this child but she promised him to the lord and so here she is she's handing off her 3 year old to mm-hmm. uh eli and hophni and phineas these priests that are not so great and uh so she's like giving up her child because she promised, like the Lord fulfilled a promise to her and she fulfilled a promise to him. Anyway, this is a very shortened version of the message, but here she is like praising and crying out to him. And so, mm-hmm. um, and she kind of just goes to the altar and she just lays it all there. And so at the end, what we did was we had handed out index cards to everybody that came and I gave them probably about five minutes. And I said, what I want you it's like, this is your Hannah moment. Like, this is your opportunity mm-hmm. to just write it down. What is it that you just need to like lay down? We had everybody bring them up and kind of lay them at the front. And then before we left, I had everybody grab somebody else's card. And so uh, anonymously, nobody knows whose card they're grabbing, but they had somebody grab somebody else's card. And I said, I'm challenging you to like pray over that person's card for the Mm -hmm. next 30, 60, 90 days um, and see what happens and see the transformation. Um, And uh, but yeah, so I, I, I think those kinds of moments are powerful when we name here's the thing that we are facing. And here's me naming it so that it no longer has power over me. And then I can just lay it down and I can give it over to to God and let him take care of it. 
And that's not to say that we don't do the work in our own lives, whether that is going to therapy or, uh, you know, just taking the the necessary steps that we need to do in order to deal with the rock. <laughs> I mean, that's God right. is not himself is not going to come around and physically pick up the rocks from our farm. Like that's just not going to happen. That's exactly right. He's not going to do it. But he gives us the strength to be able to do that. You know what I mean? Like, that's absolutely right. Maybe I'm taking the metaphor in a direction it shouldn't go. But I think you are. I think we've got to we have to take responsibility. And I think that naming is the first step. And when people name the thing, just like you did with with your mom. Yeah. And you didn't know how deep that rock was. No. You thought it was one thing that was happening in 2018, but it was compounding on what had happened over the years, going yeah. back to 2002. And so I think that um, when we start to name it, we can dig down and see what's really underneath. Mm. And it's powerful. And it takes more than just writing something down. It takes work. It takes therapy. It takes meeting with your Bible study partners. It takes being with a trusted spiritual advisor, whatever it is. Yeah. It takes a lot of work, but it is worth it. It's so worth it. I'm curious, what are some of the practices that you begun to, you began to implement in your own life to begin to really slow down and um, unhurry yourself? Yeah. Yeah. So there are um, quite a few little things that I mentioned in the book and then I'm going to talk about like the big philosophy. Yeah, um, there are little things that you could do starting today. Things like um, not checking your phone at um, stoplights mm. and Target. What happens when? I mean, we we do that. Um, like you're in the Target line. Maybe you don't do it at a stoplight, but I think a lot of people do because I see them doing it. Um, but what happens is you'll see like a text or an email. And you're not really in a position to be able to answer it. If it, let's say it's urgent, or even if it's fun, you're not in a position to be able to answer it. So you have a sort of hurried, a hurried nature that begins to hang around the edges of your heart mm. and it creates that cortisol adrenaline rush. And so just deciding I'm not going to do that right now. I'm just going to focus on the task at hand. And the next thing is not to multitask. People who are highly productive think that the answer is to multitask their way through life. But unitasking is better. You will be um, more focused and you won't have to go back and correct the mistakes that you made because your brain had too many tabs open. A third little thing that you could do starting today is set your alarm for tomorrow 10 minutes earlier. Get up 10 minutes earlier and set the tone for the day and welcome the day, Mm. whether it is through some kind of quiet time, staring out the window with your coffee cup in your hand. I don't care what it is. And some people are like, Jennifer, that sounds so boring. (laughs) You know, just stare out the window. I mean, how's that going to help? And I just want to say, well, how is that life of hustle treating you? Mm. How Just give this two weeks. Just try, just like put your feet on the ground, take deep breaths, and move through your the beginnings of your day by setting the tone, whatever that looks like in your life. So those are three little things that you can do. And I list a whole bunch of them in the book. But th- this is more than a series of little things. This yeah. is a complete mindset shift. Yeah, We have to buy into a whole philosophy about how we feel about the things that we're growing in our lives and how we feel about the progress that yeah. we're making. Because we are constantly chasing some milestone and thinking I have to, you know, go next level and I should be further along by now, no matter whether you're a junior in high school thinking you have to know what you're going to do for the rest of your life, 
no matter if you're a college student thinking, I got to find a spouse before all the good ones are taken, or you're in your mid-20s and think I should own my home, own home by now, and you're all of a sudden 35 thinking, I need a bigger home with a three-car garage, and you're suddenly 50 thinking, I have got to have a vacation home or two by now. I mean, whatever it is, there's always these milestones mm. that are pushing it yeah. to this next level, and we don't take time to just sit with the good things that are growing right here. So one of the practices that we do in the book and that I do often online that helps to slow us down um, on a daily basis or a weekly basis is called Remember, Reflect, and Return. And it's based on three R's, just like a good Christian girl's going to do. That Bible teacher, she's going to get some alliteration going in there. (laughs) (laughs) So these are my three R's. Remember is when you remember back on something that's happened in your life that just slows you down. Like, Maybe it's a quote, a Bible verse you read, a lyric, a silly 80s song. I don't care what it is. Like, remember, and then reflect on why that means something to you. Yeah. And then return to the land that is your life, wherever you are, whether that's in North Carolina, Iowa, Texas, whatever, and apply it to your life today. Like, how does it change how you go about your day or your week? And so, Molly, I know you're the host, but if I can just like flip that on you, can you give me, uh, let's let that growing slow method play out in your life. Can you give me remember, reflect, return? Is there anything in Mm. your life? Well, uh, this one is just the most top of mind. And it is, uh, it's, you know, it's spring here on the farm. And Mm -hmm. when we bought this farm, I I mean, it had my dream porch. I mean, it has my, dr- my dream porch. I just was like, how did God know that this is exactly the porch that I want? I mean, it's just like, I love it so much. Um, we had been, you know, we'd been renovating the kitchen for like three months. And here I was in like the middle of December and I was putting rocking chairs on it. It's freezing outside. I went too. And I there's would. nothing inside the house, but I had like five rocking chairs already on the front porch and a porch swing because I was like, I love this porch so much and I don't care that it is 12 degrees outside. I'm going to sit on it. And so, uh, but I knew right away that I was going to have hanging baskets of flowers on this porch. And I knew, I just, I loved it. I knew that it would look beautiful and perfect. And so, uh, you know, here we are in spring. And so I uh, went and bought some baskets of impatience and hung them up all around my porch. And I immediately started crying. And I'm, I mean, maybe my husband would disagree with this. I'm actually not like a super emotional person. I mean, I certainly cry, but I wouldn't say that I cry at like everything. I'm not like, you know, the person who like cries at the Hallmark commercial. Um, Although maybe I would sometimes, I don't know. I'm not like a super emotional person. So, but I started crying right away. And I just remember kind of sitting there going like, why am I crying? (laughs) I'm hanging up these flowers that are so beautiful and I love them so much and they make me so happy. Like, why am I crying? And then it, it dawned on me when I was growing up, um, my every Mother's Day, like clockwork, my dad would get hanging baskets of impatience and he would hang them up on Mother's Day. He also planted a tree every Mother's Day um, for my mom. and uh, But uh, he would always get hanging baskets of impatience and they made her so happy. They made my mom so happy. And my mom would lovingly care for those 
flowers all through the summer and into the fall. And, and I mean, to the point that like they would be just thriving in the fall where they're just the, the flowers are just hanging over the sides because they're so full and big. And um, in the years that my mom was the sickest, and she couldn't necessarily even get up to go outside to water the flowers herself, because that would just be too much on her physically. Uh, my dad still like every day lovingly watered those flowers throughout her illness, and they made her so happy. And, um, and so here I am like now, I have a porch of my own, and I have hanging baskets of impatience, and they make me so happy. And you know, my kids are seven and five and like they were just laughing at me at like how much joy these flowers brought me. And I'm like, but they're going to remember this. And then if someday yeah. they have, you know, Lord willing, they have a porch with flowers, then they're probably going to get hanging baskets of impatience. And my daughter will be like, my mom every year got hanging That's baskets right. of impatience. And so, yeah, so I did that that is the one that really is the most top of mind for me right that's now. That's so good. And that's that in itself is a slowing down practice. You know, when we re we take time to remember, we take time to reflect. And then when we, re we return, yeah. it, your, your mom had this slowing down practice of taking care and tending something yeah. and allowing it to grow in God's time. Yeah. And now you are continuing that practice. And so just the act of doing that, of reflecting back and thinking forward and creating new traditions with your family is a beautiful way of growing slow. Yeah. So thanks for sharing that. No, thank you for asking. And um, I'd never really thought about it in that in that way until you kind of brought that up, the re the reflect. Um, yes. Uh, remember, remember, reflect, return. Um, return. Yeah. It's a really beautiful practice. I think practice. that a lot of us naturally do that, but when we're intentional about it, yeah. it really means something. It does. It does. It does. Now, there's one more thing I wanted to kind of touch on that you said that really kind of s struck me and I think is mm -hmm. another thing that so many of us we give ourselves a hard time about. And that's this, uh, this idea, like you brought up of we should be further along by now. And I will be the first to admit this is 1 million percent something I struggle with. Yeah. And, you know, I've been in, I've been in the blogging, uh, writing industry for 14, 15 years. I have had my podcast for almost five years. And in that whole time, uh, I have talked about and thought about and worked on writing a book and I still haven't published it yet. I still haven't written. It's not, it's not written yet. Uh, you know, I've taken the steps and all these things. And so like, these are, these are things that I personally struggle with is like, I've worked, I've done, I've worked at this for a really long time and why I should be further along than I am right now. Yeah. And I really struggle with that. And so I, but it's something that like, I know I struggle with. And so in turn, I remind myself that no, like this is the seed planting. Like this is the time of cultivation. This is the time that God is writing the story that will be written. Here, there are pieces to this and the growing slow method. And like um, my friend uh, Mary Morantz also uses the term. Oh, I love her. She's amazing. Sorry, she's just, I had to just say that. Yes, she's amazing. I am obsessed with Mary Morantz. Isn't she great? She is just, <laughs> she is amazing. Uh, I just, I adore her so much. Um, but that's like uh, my friend Mary's kind of, mantra is slow growth equals strong roots. And so I remind That's myself right. of that over and over and over again. But I think this is something that it is, it is, whether people admit it or not, 
we we all struggle with this. And so what is one of the big kind of lessons that you have kind of learned in countering that and reminding ourselves that no, 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 you shouldn't be further along. You're exactly right where you're supposed to be. That's right. Well, you actually, Molly, did a beautiful way of explaining exactly how we ought to deal with it. So I encourage everyone just to go rewind and listen to that again. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. It was good. I mean, it was good. It was really good. But that is that is it. I mean, knowing, first of all, that wherever we are, we all start at zero. Yeah. Um, You know, like, I think we look at somebody on American Idol or The Voice and think, well, there is an overnight success. But no, even they have probably had years upon years upon years of music lessons and, you know, performing in front of their, you know, with their little church choir and, you know, doing whatever it takes just to get put themselves out there. I actually have a friend on The Voice right now. So... (laughs) This is very well, top of go. mind. And he tried so out been- last year and didn't make it and yeah. got uh, on this year. I mean, this airs in May, so maybe he's off by now. But as of currently, he is still on The Voice. So we'll see. That's fabulous. So he knows. Like, yeah. He's, I mean, he didn't just show up at The Voice one day and start Mm-mm. singing. I'm no. guessing he's been working at his, quote, his craft. Yo, a long time. For a long time. A long time. And so we just see the end results and we compare our beginnings to that. And, yeah. you know, we all start at zero. And I, when I started blogging in 2009, I had zero readers. When I went on Facebook in 2010, I had zero followers. When I went on Instagram in 2014 or whatever, zero zero, zero, zero. We all start, but zero becomes one, becomes 10, becomes 20, becomes a thousand, becomes now 50,000 followers or whatever I've got on Facebook. I don't know, but whatever. You just keep showing up every single day and telling yourself that there really are no milestones for these things. You don't have to be published by the time you're 30. I think my first book was out when I was 40 years old or over 40. And as an acquisitions editor, I get um, people send me um, book proposals all the time that I'm reading. And I'm like, it's just not ready. They're not ready. You just, people just got to keep showing up. And if, if you keep showing up, I honestly believe that it can happen for you. Yeah. For whoever is listening. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's so many examples of people who, you know, have, uh, you know, famous authors who have you know, pitched books over and over and over again. And it took years and years. Um, Actually, one of the incredible story I saw this year, um, I don't know if you watched Queen's Gambit, which was... I haven't seen it. Oh, it's fantastic. But the Queen's Gambit became like, I I don't know exactly what the statistic was, but it was like one of the most watched shows on Netflix, like ever. Um, And it just became this quote unquote overnight success. And I read this interview with the creator of Queen's Gambit, and he worked on that show and pitched it for 20 years. Wow. 20 years he worked on developing the concept for that show, and he never gave up. And people were like, nobody is going to care about a show about a young girl who's a chess prodigy. Like, no one's going to care. And then here it is. Like, it's phenomenal. Like, it's just... Uh, unbelievable and I was really hesitant to watch it um I was just like I don't know and I was my husband and I were like wow this is really good um but yeah 20 years he worked on that and so there's I mean there's so many examples that we can look at of, of people who were quote-unquote overnight successes and then you actually dig down deep beneath the soil and then the surface and you realize oh there is a t- 
ton of work and time right. that went into this. Um, so, well, I just think, um, like I said, I, I think this message is so needed. I know it's, if anything, it's for me. So thank you. <laughs> Um, but really, uh, this is a, a message that I believe um, our our culture needs, people need, because it is counter to what everybody else is saying and what everybody else is hearing. And um, but it's 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 just powerful. It's really really powerful. Um, so Jennifer, thank you for your um, faithfulness and your tenacity and your uh, your hard work and the time that you've grown slow that you can um, kind of unearth, so to speak, uh, this message for people. Thank you. That means so much to me. Well, before we go, a couple things. Number one, uh, obviously, the book came out. So please... Everybody go get this book, Growing Slow, Lessons on Unhurrying Your Heart from an Accidental Farm Girl. Uh, so from one accidental farm girl to another, even though I don't have, you know, the the 700 acres of corn. Um, thank you. So everybody go get that book. Is there anything else that's kind of on the horizon for you uh, this year? Well, you know, when you launch a book, it is the thing that sort of dominates for a while. I have been at launching this book since October, which is when I reached out to you. Yeah. And so that continues for me for months after, but I have a lot of fun things planned. I I learned so much through the past year about myself and about the yeah. things that were most important to me um, during those periods of lockdown. And I have some things that I want to do and some, some things that I learned um, during the pandemic that are going to serve me well in knowing that, um, you know, I haven't always valued people in connection as much as I should, and I won't make that mistake again. Mm. So I've got some fun things I want to do with some people I love. Yeah, I love that. That's really that. Yeah, I think we were all reminded of that in the last mm -hmm. year. Okay, well, before we go, Jennifer, this is the portion of the show where I just get to ask just a couple of fun, lighthearted get to know you questions. So oh, Jennifer, are you ready for the get to know you round? Oof. Okay. Deep okay. Breath. Here we go. <laughs> Nothing serious. I promise. Okay. So if you were, obviously you're a farmer, but if not, if you were a professional athlete, okay, what would your like hype song, like your, your walk-up song be? What would be the thing that just hypes you up? Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, you'll, you'll have to like pause this portion of the, the this, I, I got to tell you how much this, this stresses me out. <laughs> This stresses me. This stresses me out because we play this game with our friends. Like if there's oh one gosh. song that you will play for the rest of your life yeah. when you walk in a room, what would it be? And I get so stressed because I want the song to be perfect. And th the song is, I have to look it up. It's this tub thumping song. Oh, um, is it uh is it uh Chumbawamba? Chumba yeah, I get back or I get knocked down, but I get up again. And I get up again. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I get knocked down, I get knocked down, but I get and up when again. You walk in, there's just like that building up. I, and it's just like, I get knocked. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it just builds, and I just picture. I mean, I am on top of the world when I am walking into the arena, and that crowd is on their feet. <laughs> that is amazing for me. That is amazing. <laughs> I love it. Tub thumping, Chumbawamba. Yes. I love it. That is a throwback. That's it like, is. when did that it's song come out? I mean, I feel like I was, I feel like 80s? that was like 90s. No, it was 90s. Was it? Yeah. Oh man, that's a good one. That throw, well, 
uh, speaking of growing up, what was your favorite TV show to watch growing up? Oh, um, you know, I really, I, I'm an 80s girl and I really loved Three's Company, but my mom and dad didn't want, want me to watch it. Come they on, knock on our door. Yes. We've been they thought that was you. kind of inappropriate. So they would have to be watching it with me and <laughs> giving me lessons on what not to do in life. Now it's pretty tame compared to what's up these days. Hers yeah, and hers it. and his. Three's company. Do, 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 do. You know it. I know. I do. I do. I love it. That's uh, Three's company was great. I Do they even like air that anymore? Even on like Nick at Night or something? That was a classic. I don't know. I haven't. I, I just can't even believe that's the one that came to mind. I haven't thought about that show for a long time. I know. Me neither. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, okay. We had to get up and change the channel. We only had yes. three channels. Yes. When you're remote was your kid getting up right. off the couch, walking up and turning the dial. That's right. Come on, these kids got it easy. Mom, my Netflix isn't working. That's right. And I'm like, child, do you want to know what I watched a lot of the times? Is a rainbow lines on the screen because nothing was on. That's right. Yes. And we get in trouble for sitting too close to the TV right? on Saturday mornings watching Smurfs. Like I was this close to the TV. And my, my mom would say, don't sit like that. Cause I'd have my, my legs kind of like fanned out to the sides. I can't even do that now. She'd be like, your legs are going to stick like that. Gonna and stick I'd be like eating that. dry cereal, watching the Smurfs yep. way too close to the TV. Oh my goodness. Oh, that is amazing. And um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So obviously we know you love queso. Obviously we know you are a writer, acquisitions editor, accidental farm wife. What is something about you that I would not guess about you? I was once a mime. A mime? Yes. Okay. Details. (laughs) So in high school, we had um, individual and group speech. It was just a school activity. Yeah. And it was basically a drama club. And one of the categories was mime. And we had to dress in black and do the the (laughs) white paint on the face and, you know, learn how to do actions and be able to see what we were doing with by, you know, our facial expressions and our hands and our movements. There is no object you get to pick up. Yeah. And so um, I loved it so much that when I was in college, I still, they had like these talent shows and I would do mime stuff for talent shows. And it's so creepy. Like looking back on those pictures of me, I'm like, (laughs) what in the world? That is. And I I really can't even believe you got me to admit that. That's amazing. Um, I was a mime. So I did, I had a season of my life where I was a sketch and improvisational comedian and uh, for almost 15 years. And my lifelong dream was to be on Saturday Night Live. And uh, but improv, one of the uh, tenets of improv is mime work. Um, I mean, and it's not like in the miming that you think of where it's like, I'm in a box. Um, It's just being able to convey without a physical object what you are doing. And so I had to take when I was doing improv, I had to take a class on mime work. And so like how to, you know, that like, when you're holding a phone, you hold a phone the way you actually hold a phone, not with like your thumb and pinky finger, like nobody actually holds a phone with their thumb and pinky finger, like pointed towards their ear and mouth. So it's like, okay, well, how are you actually 
holding a phone or if you're like in a scene where there's a gun involved like nobody's actually shooting with a pointer finger and uh thumb like so how are you actually like legit holding a gun and so like it, those are just kind of basic examples of things like that but anyway so it's just funny that you say that because i yeah I, I took a whole class on mime work because oh it's, you are advanced level mind so that, just, i <laughs> i could learn from you <laughs> see this is yet another thing that we have in common see I'm just saying oh, so I was never like scary. in the white face paint with the black, but I did take a miming class. Um, okay, <laughs> here we are. Uh, okay, so my last question, this is the question I ask all my guests. And that is Jennifer, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? Yeah, so, you know, my business is all about this one common thread yeah. of, um, you know, I've been a news reporter. I've been dealing with words for a long time yeah. and I used to cover a lot of bad news. Yeah. And um, my favorite stories were fun feature, good news stories. And now I cover the good news, mm. the good, good news. And that is my purpose. Mm. And it is not about a book or, you know, I, I may lose the ability to write books someday, but my purpose is to do whatever I can to communicate a message that serves the greater good. And because I'm a Christian, that means serving God's kingdom. Mm. And so that is my purpose. And I hope to be able to do that until the day I die. Mm. And it's, you know, you make a few bucks here and there. That's great. Um, get to publish a few books and come on to some podcasts and have these kind of conversations. That's wonderful. But ultimately, I want to just continue to be able to do that in whatever venue or vein that looks like until the day I die. Mm. Jennifer, thank you. Thank you thank so much you. for being here. Thank you for this message. Thank you for your uh, just your kindness and your honesty. Uh, I value that so much. And thank you for being here. This was awesome. Thank you. I would love to know what you loved about this episode or if there was something that you learned. If you do, let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget to use the hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast. Another thank you to our partner of the show, Mama Suds. Don't forget to use that code Molly for 15% off and shop at mamasuds.com. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are quite literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. And thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, or basically wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe or follow button to make sure you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review of the show helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose. <laughs>